I'm Steven. And I'm Kevin. And in today's episode of the Steven and Kevin Show, we talk YouTube strategy, cybersecurity, and password protection with our special guest, Bill Winterberg. Welcome back, everybody. We've got episode 24 lined up today with special guest Bill Winterberg. Yeah, we're really excited about this Bill Winterberg interview today. And when you think about advisors and you think about technology, you think about this guy. Uh, so Bill Winterberg, he is the founder and host of FPPAD Bits and Bytes, uh, which is a great weekly video show on the latest technology trends in the financial services industry. Make sure you check that out. He's a sought-after uh, keynote speaker. He also provides tech commentary for the journal Financial Planning and Morgan's Morningstar Advisor. Uh, this guy knows his stuff. So, Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin and Stephen. It is a pleasure to join you today. Well, Bill, uh, we had a couple of things in mind for you today. Well, one, uh, we see so many of your YouTube videos. We're, mm -hmm. well, we're curious on your thoughts on YouTube in general and, and why you've chosen it as the, as the main place to host your, your wares, if you will. Well, sure, and that's an excellent question, and you gentlemen are no stranger to YouTube as well because you're, you're publishing the Stephen and Kevin show out to the YouTube channel in addition to the podcast that you host on iTunes, and I had seen a gap in coverage of technology news in the industry that was going in that direction of multimedia coverage. There's so much press and regular written articles, which are great, but I really saw an opportunity to branch out into the multimedia interactive media sector, which started with a few podcasts that I created just by recording telephone conversations and saw the opportunity to gravitate into video. And I think it worked out really well for me because when I produce video, you can see how animated I am and how excited and enthusiastic I am about financial services technology, which is ordinarily kind of a dry topic. And so I try to make sure that that energy and enthusiasm shows up on video and I think that's why YouTube content and video content in general is a really good way to communicate that enthusiasm I have above and beyond just the basic technology information and the education and awareness right and and I'm curious so uh, we get we get asked this question pretty often people know that we do a lot of video and yep. advisors will come to us and say guys how do you do this kind of stuff I'd like to do it for my business where do we get started I'm sure you get that question occasionally what do you tell advisors who are looking to get into video in general? Frankly, what I tell advisors is try not to let gear get in the way of getting started. So if you are thinking about a budget, you're thinking, well, I need to spend some money to get started because I want to make sure that my videos have a decent quality to them. And the flip side is if you give me a $5,000 budget, I'm going to spend it. If you give me a $25,000 budget, I'm going to spend it, and it goes up from there. For advisors, I want you to decide what message are you trying to communicate, how do you want to capture that, and who are you going to create it for, because that should dictate how you produce it, how you create it. You literally can use a phone, an iPhone or an Android phone. They have very good cameras. You can buy lavalier microphones that plug right into the phone, so you'll get really good audio with that basic setup, you're in a decent position to get started. 
So think about the content first before the video, but I have a camera here. It's a, it's a Canon G7X. It's a great point and shoot camera. It, it fits in most pockets or, or you know, suit pockets or jacket pockets. And at like $599, it's got all the fancy features of most higher-end cameras, but it's pretty easy to operate. So that's a good start that if you want to move beyond the quality of, a, of an iPhone or an Android, these point-and-shoot, these mirrorless DSLRs, if you will, these point-and-shoot cameras are actually a really good gateway to capturing great video, and they have pretty good audio quality as well. And since it's handheld, you can take it anywhere with you. And, and I encourage advisors to get out of the office setting and to get into a setting that has a little bit more story connection. And a point-and-shoot camera really gives you that ability. I like that. Don't let gear get in the way. I think that's that's a great advice. Um, what about in terms of you know maybe frequency of, of videos or the content strategy for for some advisors? I know it probably depends upon the advisor, but um, have you have you um, worked with any on those types of things? I definitely would stress to identify a, a long strategy. It's I've seen many advisors get started. And they make one video or maybe two or three videos and then their YouTube channel goes quiet or their online web host goes quiet. Remember that this is a long game. You're building relationships. This isn't speed dating where you get 100 clients at your door after your first video. You need to commit to it and the right frequency is, is based on your bandwidth and your passion for what you're talking about. So for some advisors, it's weekly. Uh, I do a weekly broadcast or semi-weekly for the Bits and Bytes content because it's my way to keep advisors informed every week about what's going on in the business. It seems to make sense. Doing it more frequently, I think, is too much information overload, but taking a month in between those updates, I think, is too long. So I think about you know, the purpose and what I'm trying to communicate, and that'll dictate my, my frequency. I think for advisors, so that you don't get overwhelmed, think about doing it at least once a quarter, then accelerate to once a month, and if you feel that you not that you need to do it more frequently, but you have something really good to say and share, then think about increasing the uh, periodicity of it, the frequency of it. Right. Great and, advice. Yeah, because you're thinking about it less as a, a project and more of part of the the week to week or month to month routine. And uh, and it takes yeah, a little bit of time to you know for a lot of advisors, the first time they get behind the camera, it can come across a little stiff. Right. You know, you they they've never done it before, and it's kind of what do I say? How do I say it perfectly? As opposed to maybe you're. 24th edition or your 104th edition where you can just be normal and, and provide the advice you'd give somebody in real life. That's right, Stephen. If you feel like you have to do this, don't do it. Stop. That's the worst reason to, to get into doing this. So if you want to do this, that attitude, that energy will show through on video. Because if you feel like you have to do it, it's like, oh man, it's 9.30, I have to do this. Welcome to today's video, blah, blah, blah. You're, you're, not, you're not engaged with it. And why would you expect your audience to be engaged with that? So you have to want to do it, and that should drive your content. And not everyone's built for video. I mean, not, not, you know, but I mean, truly. I mean, what some people might be a face for radio. <laughs> no, but talking? some people might, you know, a podcast might be what it is, or it might be the, their blog and writing that, that they're better at, that that's their, their core competency, and that's what they should be focused on. You tend to get rated much higher on our podcast than you do on video <laughs> on YouTube, Kevin. I don't know what it is. <laughs> 
Well, and, and Kevin, you, you share a good point. Play to your strengths, right, of conversations, and, and that is really your strength. Go straight to a podcast. Don't worry about video. But if video is part of your strengths, a, a great advisor, Andy Millard, comes to mind out in North Carolina in your neck of the woods. Uh, he's actually running for Congress, but he had a great, vibrant channel because he had some acting experience, but he has no problem just sitting down on a park bench talking about financial awareness, and he's not lecturing about how to maximize investment returns, he's sharing stories. So video is a great medium for storytelling. Make sure that you cap capitalize that. And I look at your show, it's a great podcast. When I see the videos, it's like, you know, the camera's on you guys for 15 minutes, there's no B-roll, there's no cutaways. There's other reasons why I understand it's on YouTube. And so most of the material from the Kevin and Steven show, or Steven and Kevin. No, no, you had it right. Mind. You had it right there. You had to rebrand I totally get why putting the content out there online is reasonable because you're going to get that inbound traffic. People are going to search for it. But nevertheless, our conversation, I think, is better suited to a podcast. And I know lots of people are digesting it via podcast. But still, you're taking the time to make a video, put it out on YouTube, and that increases your search ranking, which is a good idea and a great way to multipurpose this time that you're spending. And it's, it's something that every advisor can do today. Definitely. Well, shifting gears, Bill, we know you've got a lot of thoughts on cybersecurity, another mm -hmm. one of our favorite topics, and, and you're the expert on this. So we're curious on this on a, on a couple of levels. Um, you know, First of all, we, we were reading a piece uh, that you had written uh, recently on cybersecurity as it relates to an advisor's business. How do you make sure that you're living by some principles that are going to keep you and, uh, and your information safe? But also, how does this relate to you know, to getting some information across to clients so they can make smart decisions personally with their, uh, with their technology. It, could you give us your thoughts on it? You know, just from an advisor perspective first, what should an advisor be careful with nowadays? Yeah, absolutely. I think the big threats for an advisor's business, every advisor's firm, whether they like it or not, has a target on the firm. If you have financial, you have advisory, you have wealth in your business name, you're a target because that's where some money is and that can be stolen. So it's one thing to engage in professionals and make sure that your hardware and software is being tested against attacks and threats. But it's really important that all the human beings, all the personnel within the firm, and that includes the advisors, are up to speed on the latest attacks. Because most attackers are skipping hardware vulnerabilities, they're skipping software vulnerabilities, and they're attacking you and me, and advisors, and staff, and receptionists. And they're sending emails with malware inside or really well-crafted pieces of communication, the, the latest one are these uh, ransomware messages. You open up a Word document, it's in gibberish, and the email says, oh, if you want to read what this document says, you have to enable macros, and that'll translate the gibberish into English. Oh, okay, and if somebody doesn't know what they're doing, they launch the macros, and the rest is history. So advisors need to make sure that they're staying up to date on these attacks, and educating everybody in the firm because I think those people, all the humans, are the first point of attack. So I would I would make sure that advisors are staying up to date. And how the, how can they do that? They can do it by subscribing to FEPAD Bits and Bytes over at FEPAD.com slash subscribe, right? Um, and also communicating and extending that training to all their stakeholders inside their business. Absolutely, especially those who are a little bit happy with the clicker. You know, they, they, they see a button, they click on it. 
It's it's you know, but from what we're hearing from you, Bill, it's far more sophisticated than my great uncle who lives in uh, Nigeria who has this great investment scheme. <laughs> you know that uh, you know it's more sophisticated than that, and there's some innocent-looking attachments um, or flash drives, perhaps, or inbound calls, as we read in your piece, that can be more dangerous than they appear. Yeah, absolutely right. Another vector I hear is hackers take over a client's email account, but instead of doing something right away. They look at the history, they monitor that account, and when they see that the client might be going out of town for vacation, that's when the attacker strikes. And so they use all the information that they collected by just monitoring and being over the shoulder on that email account. Then they use that to contact the advisor. Hey, you know, I got a last minute thing before my trip. Please wire a bunch of money. And since I'm doing this trip, it's got to be this different bank. So to the advisor, it doesn't seem out of place because it fits with everything that's been going back and forth in email. That's another thing to be very cautious of. And again, it's training. How does the firm verify that that request is authentic? Your policies and procedures need to say, we verify by phone. We call the phone number of record that's in our CRM and no other number is valid. And as long as those policies and procedures are followed and it's kept up to date and the training is given to all the stakeholders, 99.9% of the time, you should be able to identify those attacks and resist them. What do you tell, like, uh, if an advisor is talking to their clients, what do you tell them about passwords? I mean, we have got a million passwords around here, personally and professionally. Keeping track of them sometimes is just a nightmare in itself. Yeah, It's a mess. What do you tell people about passwords, Bill? Absolutely. Passwords are one of those things that if you're using the same password across multiple sites, Those are things that hackers really, really like because all they have to do is get your password one time and then it works on five sites, 10 sites, 15 sites, and the rest is history. So I use and I advocate that many advisors and even anybody today, not just advisors, that you use one of these password manager tools. I happen to use a tool called LastPass. There's also tools called 1Password, which is the number one, the digit one password, Dashlane, as well as Meldium, These are all commercially available password managers. Many of them have enterprise versions. So that allows the advisor to manage all of the passwords and all of the employees in the firm and give permission to certain accounts and revoke permission when an employee is terminated or quits. And that's really, really good because instead of an employee quitting and you have to go into 20 different sites and change 20 different passwords, you're now able to use one of these enterprise password managers to just revoke that employee's access to using those passwords. And in one quick keystroke, all of the privileges are disconnected for that employee. So those are really intelligent ways to manage passwords. These systems create random passwords that you would never memorize in your brain, and that increases their defense against attacks. So using 12 digits or 14 alphanumeric characters or even 16 where permitted, that increases the difficulty and time that it's going to take an attacker to break that password. Because it's going to happen. An attacker is going to be able to crack a password. It's just a matter of time. So you need to take the easy steps to make sure that that time is just outrageous and unrealistic for an attacker because they're going to move on and go focus on someone who doesn't use hard to break passwords and who always uses the same password for 20 different sites. That's where the attacker is going to spend their time and attention.
So that was LastPass and then one password, the number one. Is that right? That's That's correct. Okay. And are those available for a fee? Is it like a monthly subscription thing? There's a variety of pricing levels. So LastPass and 1Password offer free consumer-level versions. The enterprise versions where they have these professional dashboards, you can do all the permissioning and provisioning, they're at $19 a month, $29 a month, depending on the the volume and size of the passwords that you're trying to manage. Uh, And they have mobile apps as well because we live in a mobile world, you know, and how do you manage and enter passwords on your mobile device? These will also synchronize to your mobile devices. So, again, you're decreasing how vulnerable you are to attacks by having poor password practices. Very cool. Bill Winterberg, thanks so much for joining us today. Before we, we let you go, though, we noticed that uh, you're, you're a, a, we're, we're not pinball aficionados, but we noticed you're into pinball. Do you have a, um, a favorite pinball machine? Or I don't know. I don't even know how to ask you the question. To and be follow-up honest. question, what is the high score? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yes. Yes, I have. Uh, a pinball addiction is part of who I am. I grew up uh, in high school and college just spending lots of money on pinball machines. Maybe if I had a robo-advisor back then, it would say, stop spending quarters on pinball and put it in your low-cost investment account. I digress. My favorite pinball game is the Twilight Zone pinball game by Bally's. 1993, about 15,235-ish were created, and it's been a lifelong dream to have one, and I, I do have one. It's actually in my game room downstairs. How cool. And I love to play it. I, I, uh, I score, like, sounds fun. Three, 3.2 billion, I think, is a high score. I, 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 I posted it on my Twitter feed a couple of months ago. Uh, I think I have the video for momentous everybody who's questioning phone. that high score he's got the proof yeah very yeah. cool <laughs> hey bill thanks I as do. always uh, we, we appreciate you taking time everybody subscribe to bill's channels yep. a great guy and a great source of knowledge hope you have a great rest of your week everyone thanks everyone